0: Wonderful Heavenly Father, Lord, what a privilege does not describe it. Honor, Lord, would not suffice to say what it means to be numbered amongst the redeemed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your light, for you said if we walk in the light as you are in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for cleansing. Thank you for redemption. Thank you, Lord, for the light in this late hour that we can walk in. 2019, it's hard to imagine, oh Lord, the lateness of the time. But here we are, Lord, coming together once again to present ourselves before you and say glory to the Lamb that was slain who paid the price of atonement for all sin that we might be redeemed. Lord, we're remembering our brother Abel's family tonight, oh God. Lord, we are just so very moved oh god of this man who was amongst us just briefly and now that you've called him home we just ask you be with his offspring his wife lord may your hand be upon them we remember them in prayer at this time and lord we ask that your comforting presence would go out to be with them We remember the coffees tonight, Lord. Sister Becky lost her mother the other day. Be with them, Lord. Give her comfort. And Lord, we commit all into your hands. The needs that are here, you are the word that discerns the thoughts and intents of every heart. We yield ourselves to the word. We don't want the mind of a man. We want the mind of Jesus Christ tonight. May you just direct the service the way that you want it to go. That your word, which is anointed, which is spirit and life, it is alive. That it may meet the cause for the hour. We commit ourselves to you for your glory, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet you in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ this new year, 2019. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Here we are. The uh, Everybody has a first service of the year. This is my first service of the year. And, and, uh, So it's a good place to start in Genesis chapter 1. Maybe if the Lord tarries by the end of the year, we'll end up in Revelation, and who knows? (laughs) Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's wonderful to have His Word. You know, Abraham didn't have a Bible. Moses wrote the Bible and, and began in Genesis and began to record it as God revealed it to him. And now we have the entire book. Not only do we have the entire book, but the entire book has come into full effect Amen. in the hour that we're living in. And so we're living in a great time. And I was pondering the end of the year and different scriptures, and this scripture was on my mind, so I thought that we'd just start there tonight if the Lord would inspire it for a little Wednesday night service. Genesis 1, and we'll begin at verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmaments of the heaven." To divide the day from the night, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Amen. The Lord has blessing to the word. You may be seated. You can go ahead and you have those up there already. Good. And uh, now we pass we have passed through time and we have come to 2019 and uh, the calendar rolls around and we turn the page and science gives us a number and the number is 2019 2018 is no more though know, sometimes we may write it on a piece of paper forgetting that the number has changed but the the uh, potentials of the season is different than maybe it was, uh, not just because of a calendar change, but uh, I just want to read something out of the message Shalom, Brother Branham says at the beginning of the year. He says, changing the pages or changing the calendars doesn't change time. A lot of people say, well, the old year's gone, throw away the old December calendar now and put up the new one a new year. That's what New Year's means to them. To me, I want to see what's promised for the day. I want to know what the light of the hour is. So I can know how to, to walk in it. I want to know where I'm living, what age I'm in, and how far up the road I am. Amen. I believe that's the desire of every believer, not, uh, I guess, if humanly speaking, and maybe just in our flesh, we would want to know how long till we're caught away, how many days do we have left on the earth, and we're not promised that kind of a calendar of uh, the day or the hour, no man knows, but, but we realize that we are promised that we would recognize the day that we're living in and the message of the day that we're living in. And here we are in 2019, and I want to say that God knows exactly where we are. And all the lights in the heavens, as we read, bear a significance in this hour. But we may not know what the significance of the heavens is, and I always find it interesting of the speculation that is made when certain signs appear in the heaven. Uh, I remembered last year, the year before wasn't last year, it was I think the year before that. And there was a, uh, they were talking about blood moons and, and they were talking about different things and, and, and different signs in the heavens and, and, but you know, it takes a prophet to interpret the signs of the heavens. All right. And I just want to say that that all the lights in the heavens bear a significance as we read in the scripture. And maybe I'll just put that scripture back up for us. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And that's we know that. But then he said, let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and for years. And so God knew exactly exactly where would we we would be in the universe not only that he knew when we looked up to the heavens he knew what we would see amen and so there are a representation for us and don't worry i'm not speaking on speculative signs tonight and that sort of thing but i I want to particularly zero in on the season that we're living in and the reason I was going to say the reason for the season, but that's kind of a Christmas statement. Uh, I'm not speaking on Christmas tonight, but uh, there is a reason that we're living in the day that we're living in. All right. Nothing is out of cater. Are you with me? Nothing's out of order. God has divinely orchestrated it. He said everything in the universe, even Brother Branham specifies. He says if those stars would ever get out of place, it would ruin God's entire order. He says how much more we ought to find our place and stay in our place. All right. So so nothing is out of cater. God knows what's happening. It's all in control. There's heavens. There's lights in the heavens. And then it says God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. So I just thought I'd focus our minds on that just for a moment here. The greater light to rule the day. Alright, so he made the sun to rule the day and there's many types that we could go into of what the sun represents in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother the random on the rising of the sun and the sunrise and the sunset in the middle of the day and different things. The, 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 the end of the day and the resurrection in the morning and there's all kinds of shadows and types concerning this. But this is the light that God set in order that it might rule the day. Then he said a lesser light to rule the night. So there's another light which is actually just a reflection of the greater light. And as the moon is a reflection of the light, so is the church to be a reflection of God's light in this world. And so God wants to shine his light through us so that he can reflect himself. So there's a greater light and a lesser light and and we see as we look up in the heavens that these rule the skies but they're not the only lights that are in the skies and we know that we live in a solar system and in that solar system uh as many planets of different sizes and shapes that are revolving, not exactly in perfect circles like this, but they're revolving around the sun, and then off in the distance we see stars in the background. And if we would put up here maybe what we know about what we call the zodiac, and how that it represents different symbols, and there's so many different symbols that have been passed down throughout the years of God's first Bible, which was the Bible that He wrote in heaven. All right, but as we live on the earth, we often just think about ourselves in relation to the heavens, and the the we don't think about the movement of everybody else. We think about where are we, and do we understand where we are, and do we recognize the season that we are in? And oftentimes we look at it like this this uh, picture up here on the wall. And, uh, we look at it like, well, here we are, we're going around the sun, we've gone around the sun another year, we're kind of back in the same position that we were last year at this time, and we can see kind of the same thing, but, but that's not exactly right. Because even while we're going around the sun, the sun is moving in the, in the constellation of uh, the Milky Way constellation, is that the right word? The galaxy, I guess, is the right word. Uh, of the Milky Way that we're in. And the Milky Way is moving through the universe. So there's there's a lot of movement happening. But God knows all about it. And so really, it's more like this as we go around the sun. And I, I, I just wanted to show this because this had a little bit of an impact on me as I thought about where are we. And so really... We're not where we were last year. And we're not where we were the year before. We lay aside the things that are in the past. And we press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We realize that God was with us yesterday. And we can often look back in our lives and say, He was with us there. And He was with us there. But the fallacy of man is often looking back to what God did and looking forward to what he's going to do and missing what he's doing right now. So here we are in this particular place in the universe, and I just brought all that to your attention to say, God knows exactly where you are. That's all I wanted to show you and, and zero your thoughts in on that tonight. Because Jeremiah even says it in Jeremiah chapter 10, he says, Thus saith the Lord, and he says, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Alright? So we don't look at the heavens the way the heathens look at the heaven. Alright, we realize that it's a Bible written there, and we may not understand what every star means and represents. You can study. There's been much study done of it all over the years. But that Bible in the heaven is made clear by the Bible that we have in our hands. Alright, these are basic things tonight, just kind of at the beginning of the year. So we don't follow the signs. We don't operate our lives To to say, oh, well, this is happening, therefore I need to do this. Or there's that sign, therefore I need to do that. No, those things in the heaven are just telling us, God knows where you are. And what is happening in your life? He is the one, as the scripture says, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Are you with me so far? So these are for signs and seasons now seasons are not just as we know them winter spring summer fall I was talking to a brother in Africa and I said you know if you're gonna come to Canada come in the summer and he said when is that he says yeah because in Africa we don't have summer it's all summer And so, in his country, it wasn't like there's a winter. There's a rainy season and there's a dry season. And so, so seasons are not just as we understand them in North America. And so, uh, seasons in the Scripture actually mean appointed times. Alright? So, when God said, I put these lights in the heavens for appointed times... It's not for us to interpret what the times are, but it's for us to remember there are times that God has appointed. There are particular things that God has His eye on. And if we would catch that and realize that God has appointed events, God has appointed seasons in our lives, that He will come by our way and He will... Maybe sometimes, as we heard last Sunday, rearrange things. He will bring about events that, that are important because he is the one that has ordained those appointed meetings. All right, stay, hold that just in your mind for a minute. I'll just bring you a couple of scriptures here. Genesis 18 says, The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? He says, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. All right. Now God is particularly using a phrase here, which I'll, I'll, I'll order this in your minds for a moment here. He says, I've appointed a time. In other words, Genesis 18 didn't just happen by chance. After 25 years, 25 years, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. 25 years, Abraham grew stronger in faith. It's like uh, Brother Branham referred to it. He, he says after God visited him and said, you'll have a son by Sarah. He, they went and maybe got the bird eye and, and got the little things set up in the nursery and everything. And he, he comes to Sarah the next day and says, anything different? Nothing's different, Abraham. Nothing's changed. But he says, well, praise God. It's more of a miracle today than it was yesterday. And every day for 25 years, that's the faith of Abraham. That's the faith of Abraham for our healing. It's more of a miracle today than it was yesterday. That's the faith of Abraham for our families. Oh, nothing's changed. Praise God. It's more of a miracle today than it was yesterday. Amen. We count not. We don't look at the strength of our flesh or as Abraham says, the weakness of our flesh. We don't look at what we are able to accomplish, but we count him who promised as being able to keep his word and he will keep his word. And so we stand looking for the appointed time. And Genesis 21, it says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. I want you to catch that. It wasn't just, and Sarah bare a child, as as he had said. No, he says, the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said. I'm going to visit you at the appointed time. And then it says, God visited her as he said he would visit her. Uh, So he came by her way, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bear Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So he comes down and he speaks to them. It's important now. He comes in Genesis 18 and he announces a season. And he announces an appointed time. And he says, I'm going to do certain things in this season. It's been 25 years. But he's announcing now is the season. Genesis 17, he changes their name. Genesis 18, he comes and visits them. Genesis 18 says, I'll visit you again. And in that visitation, Sarah will have a child. So there's there's times, there's seasons unfolding here. And they're all significant. In other words, I'll say it this way. God decided to change their life. And he did it just at that season, in God's timing. All right, let me go a little bit further. Israel, in Leviticus 23, we won't turn to it, but Israel was appointed feasts, seven feasts of the Lord that would fit in the year for Israel and that they would be required to appear before the Lord during these feasts. All right. And so he he says, speak unto the children of Israel concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. Now, in the Hebrew, the word feast and the word season are the same word. All right. So now he's 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 signifying that these are these each of these feasts has a significance. And during the year, whether it's the Passover or the unleavened bread or the first fruits or 50 days later, then the Feast of Pentecost and the wave offering that's offered there or the Feast of Trumpets or the Feast of Atonement or the Feast of Tabernacles. All right. All of those feasts, God's saying these are seasons for you. And they are particularly loaded into the spring and the fall, as we would call it. But uh, he says, these are appointed times that have a significance for you. And we know now in this hour, it wasn't just go to Jerusalem and and, and give the offering and or have your Passover, slay the lamb, break the bread, have the feast of unleavened bread. Uh, those are the natural things. And to a Jew, that's the way it still is today. It's a Passover, it's a lamb, it's a, it's a broken bread, it's a, a feast of Pentecost, it's a, a, a day of atonement, Yom Kippur, whatever they want to call it, all of those things. But to us now, we recognize God is appointing these to Israel. He says these will be feasts or these will be seasons to you. And he's, and he's actually representing something that spiritually will lay ahead and said, you'll have a trumpet. That you don't know the significance of it one day. And that trumpet is going to call you. And in the seventh trumpet, there's going to be a Moses and Elijah. They don't know it yet, but that season will come. And it's just around the corner. And God has appointed that. And He will keep His Word. And and it will call them to another day of atonement. Not another sacrifice of a lamb, but a recognizing of the Lamb of God that was sacrificed 2,000 years ago. So there will be a season of an awakening, a season of a calling, a season of of tabernacles, which represents moving from a, a temporary into a permanent dwelling place. In other words, we'll lay these tabernacles down and we'll put on another tabernacle. That will be permanent. And so we realize that all of these gatherings were representing something. And all of these gatherings was to draw them. And they were supposed to make journeys to Jerusalem several times in the years at the, at the appointed place of gathering. That's why at the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when it says uh, that there were uh, Israelites or Jews gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world. Why? Because it was a feast day. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, then there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind that filled the place where they were. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And licks of fire appeared on them. And as they went out of the door witnessing God had arranged it would be at this time. God visited Israel. And now the real meaning of the season. Here we go. The real reason for the season came amongst the people. And they they didn't catch it all, but 3,000 caught it and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? God had come down and visited them. Okay, are you with me so far? All right. So the purpose now of God's seasons is that you would have a meeting with God. I could go to Ecclesiastes where it says, To everything there is a season. A time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. I'm not reading at all. I'm just referring to certain ones. Alright? So there's times in our lives where there's great joy but the reason is to meet with God there's a time in our life where there's mourning there's sadness in this world we have sadness alright but there's a reason for it and that God comes down in the midst of it to make himself known in a certain way a time to mourn a time to dance a time to rend a time to sow a time to keep silence A time to speak. I'll come back to that maybe in a little bit. And so these, when God speaks to Moses in Exodus, are you still with me? All right. When God speaks to Moses in the book of Exodus and he says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. So he's speaking of a sacrifice. At the tabernacle before the Lord. And then he says, Where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. Alright. So now God is saying, When you come and give a sacrifice, when you come and do something, it's a continual burnt offering, he says it's not just for for a religious ritual. We don't come to church just for a religious ritual. We don't come here just to say we've been in church Wednesday night. We didn't come here. I hope you didn't come here just to learn something. Just to, just to maybe understand doctrine though, we need doctrine in the church. That's the backbone of the church. And we we have standards, we have, we have teaching, we have instruction, we have, we have all sorts of, uh, ways in which God deals with us. But the important thing to recognize that God comes to speak to us. Not a religious ritual. Not a, this is what we do. I'm going to the house of God. This is the season that we even have appointed of Wednesday night. The church. That's why Brother Brown says when the church doors are open, the believer wants to be there. Why? It's a season. It's a it's an opportunity. The licks of fire are gathering together. Wherever two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. God comes down as He says, uh, I will be with them. I'll be amongst them. I'll be in them. As you see the end time approaching, gather yourselves together. Be together. Why? It's a season. It's an opportunity for God. It's an appointed meeting time and a meeting place. The God who knows the end from the beginning has appointed these things. And I'll just say it's not just church, but he's appointed even seasons in our lives to reveal himself to us personally. And only in that season can he meet with you in the way that he wants to reveal himself to you. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 8. I'm just staying focused here as I lay this in tonight. Maybe it's a good, a good way to start the year amongst all the other preachers and all the good things that have been preached. And 2 and, uh, Kings, chapter 8. In verse 7 Now, this is an interesting scripture And an interesting principle Because God, if you remember Had spoken to Elijah And said, there's three things I want you to do As Elijah had come to the cave And God began to speak to him there He says, now I want you to go And anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead I want you to go and anoint Jehu To be king over Syria And I want you to go and anoint Haziel To be king or Jehu to be king over Israel, and Haziel to be king over Syria. So God gave him three things to do. Well, Elisha anointed, Elijah anointed Elisha, and then God took Elijah off the scene. Does that mean the vision failed? No, the vision became fulfilled through Elisha now. All right, because now the office come from Elijah to Elisha. So now we see, it, see in Second Kings chapter 8, Elisha came to Damascus. The purpose was to anoint Haziel. It's really struck me on, on Sunday with some of the things uh, that Brother Tom preached and Brother Bisco spoke behind him. Now, no, I'm thinking of the week before, I think, when you spoke and, and then uh, Brother Ed spoke behind you. I might have it all mixed up. Whenever it was, you know what day it was. Verse 7, And Elisha came to Damascus. And Benahad, the king of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, saying, the man of God is come hither. And the king said unto Haziel, take a present in thine hand and go and meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, shall I recover of this disease? So Haziel went to meet him and took a present with him, even of every good thing of Damascus, forty camels burden. Wow. This wasn't a little gift from Purdy's. This was 40 camels worth. This was the value that they valued the gift of God, the prophet for their age. Hello? This is what they thought of the word of the Lord for their age. And he loaded up 40 camels and took it to him and and stood before him and said, Thy son, Benadad, king of Syria, has sent me... To thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover, howbeit the Lord has showed me that he shall surely die. Now that's an interesting statement. He says, Well, Hazel, you go tell him he's going to recover, but he's going to die. And uh, and then it says, He settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed and the man of God wept. Now, what's happening here? Elisha has delivered this to Haziel. And then Elisha, like a prophet, looks at Haziel, like a prophet with those burning eyes that look right through you. He just settled his gaze steadfastly. And, and Haziel just stood there and, and, and didn't know what to do, he was ashamed. The scripture says he's like without words. He's kind of stuck here. And then he sees Elisha begin to weep. And he's wondering what, what on earth is going on? And Haziel said, why weep with my Lord? And he answered, because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their strongholds will thou set on fire and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword and will dash their children and rip up their women with child and Haziel said but what is thy servant a dog that he should do this great thing and elisha answered the lord has showed me that you shall be king over syria and he departed from elisha and came to his master and said what said elisha to thee and he answered he told me that thou shouldest surely recover and it came to pass on the morrow that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water, spread it on his face so he died, and Haziel reigned in his stead. Now what's happening here? Elisha is coming now, and he's coming, he doesn't necessarily know what's, he just knows he's got to anoint Haziel. God arranges it, Ben Hadad is sick, and puts it on Ben Hadad's heart, send Haziel to Elisha to inquire. And Haziel comes to Elisha, and Elisha now is anointing him with the word to go and be king over Syria. So now Haziel is there, and, and Elisha is there, and Elisha's looking at him. Now, 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 catch this now. This is very, this hit me like a ton of bricks. So I'm going to say a couple things here. Elisha is looking at what God is showing him. He's seeing in front of him a man that as far as that man is concerned, he would never do anything that Elisha is talking about. But Elisha is being shown something from God and Israel is going to suffer under this man because it's necessary that it happen. But yet Elisha must go through with it and anoint him as the king. So God was showing Elisha what God was seeing. It wasn't going to be easy, but it was for a purpose. Israel was going to go through a time of chastening. They were going to go through a time of correction. They were going to go through a time where God would deal with them very harshly. Why? Because they were God's. Hello, because they belong to God and God would send correction. He would use Haziel to bring that correction to Israel. And and it didn't look good. And God knew that it was going to happen, but it was necessary. So I'm going to say God is going to visit Israel and he's going to use Haziel to bring correction. Now, let me take a step back. Back in the Garden of Eden, God looked at Adam. And saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And he, he gave him every beast of the field and Adam named them and the Bible says there was no help meat found for Adam. And so God caused a deep sleep. Jehovah caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. He knew exactly what he's doing here. And he, and he puts Adam to sleep and he takes a rib and he closes up the place and he takes that rib and with that Rebbe, he forms a woman. And he takes the feminine spirit out of Adam and puts it in the woman. So that now we have a masculine and a feminine, a man and a woman. And, and yet this woman would do so much good for Adam. And Adam would fall in love this with this woman. But as God made Eve, he saw every hospital that there would ever be. When God made Eve, he saw every grave that would come into existence. He saw every war, or he's not God. He knew the end from the beginning. And so as God formed this woman that would be so necessary, but yet every sickness, God foresaw it right at this moment, that that it would come into effect in the human race because of this vessel. Brother Branham says, her fall was the cause of every hospital. Her fall was the cause of every sickness. Her fall was the cause of every grave. Then why would God do this? And I'll tell you why. Because there was no other way for God to meet humanity in a way that he could not meet angels. There was no other way for you to know him as a healer. Unless sickness would be loosed amongst the human race. There was no other way for the human race, sons of God, to know Him as a Savior unless they would be lost. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come into the world speaking lies. As God formed Eve, He saw every evil thing that would come to pass. But God says, this is necessary because I want to meet them there. There is an appointed season. When you find yourself in sickness, it's an appointed season. God says, I want to meet you in your sickness and reveal myself to you as a healer. Hallelujah. When you find yourself or your family in captivity, that's an appointed season. God says, I'll meet you there as a deliverer. I'll meet you there as the mighty conqueror. I can't reveal this to angels. They weren't lost. And the ones that fell, I will never redeem. But for the human race, I want to make myself known to you like no one else. I want to reveal my grace so that you can sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. It was an appointed season. You might have been in the depths of, uh, of the world. You might have been a drug addict. You might have been a drunkard. You might be one tonight. But I'll tell you what, let it be your appointed season tonight. That God comes to you and says, I am your deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let Him come in the power of His resurrection right down into your life. Listen, it's no different than Abraham was. There was a man weak in the flesh. He was beyond childbearing years. She was beyond childbearing years. But God says, this is the appointed time. Hallelujah. I've come to meet with you and reveal myself to you. To know Him as a comforter, you needed sorrow. I was thinking of Brother Abel's family just before the service and and uh, you know the family needs a comforter because they're experiencing sorrow. brother Abel you if you don't remember him, he came with three Spanish boys, and he got turned back at the border and the three Spanish boys stayed, I think for six months or so they were here amongst us, and usually sat up in the balcony, i think and Listen to the services and you could see God begin to mold their lives with the Word of God. And then they went home. Why? God knew what season was going to be upon them. Come on. God knew what was going to happen. And their dad came down sick. Uh, not all three of them. Two of them were, was their dad. One was a friend. But uh, the, the Brother Abel came down sick and they went into an operation. They said the operation turned out good. Sunday morning he was well. I think by Sunday night he was gone. Something just turned. It's an appointed season. God orders your footsteps because there's times in your life that he's going to change things. Hallelujah. I don't want to get personal tonight. I've been there. But, you know, there's, there's times I, I, I listen to I listen to messages. And you hear the prayer lines and somebody maybe that's blind receive their sight. I thought, oh, that's their appointed time. God revealing himself to them as a healer. They'd have never known him that way if they hadn't been blind. But now being blind, God came by their way just at that season and loosed them from their captivity and they, and their eyes become open amen everything that joseph went through was for a purpose and so many times you know we we asked the question why i had a why is actually a an immature question i'm going to say it this way we had our house filled with family last week and uh, uh we had uh, five children the age two years old and under in the house i survive i'm a survivor Praise the Lord. I'm an overcomer. <laughs> and, uh, but there was one particular grandson, his favorite question, and many of you have experienced it. Why? why? Well, we're going to have supper. Why? Because we're hungry. Why are we hungry? Uh, you know, everything's why. Why? You, a lot of you young men used to be like that. But a lot of times as believers, we get in the same mold. Why is this happening to me? Come on, but it actually shows our our maybe our faith isn't built up to where it needs to be, and, and and rather as we're going through the different things that we go through, we need to change our attitude from why is this happening to Lord, what are you trying to tell me? This is an appointed season, and Lord, I'm here and you're here. So let me catch what you're trying to say to me at this appointed season. It's not just for character, but it's for a greater intimacy with your God. Hallelujah. We're going through things here as, as mortal beings that will never go through anywhere else. We're in the season of mortal life, Brother Branham calls it. He says, we are, as exact words, actually, testimony of a true witness. We are in the season of mortal life, raising our children, marrying, bringing forth families. This is a life or the season of mortal life. But when we have been born of above, the body returns to the dust from where it come. And the spirit goes up to where it come from to the God who gave it. And there will come another season. All right? He says, and that season will come, will be the immortal season. And when the Son of God rises with healing in His wings, it would be totally impossible to hold these bodies in the ground any longer. They'll come forth in the brightness of the Son of God. Hallelujah! So we're in a season, the season of mortal life. And in that season, there's many seasons. And as I said, Solomon spoke about it in Ecclesiastes. There's different things that we go through, different seasons. And I want to say this, no matter how hard you work or how hard you labor and want to do something that is out of season, you can't. It won't work. You've got to work with the season you're given. There's a time to plant, and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. You can't harvest in the planting time, and you can't plant in the harvest time. And so the season is not something to be labor to try and turn the season around. Well, oh, my faith is going to turn the season around, or I, I, I'm going to really believe God to change the season. No, you're in a season. God's going to turn the season. And faith is a revelation, and that's why he wants to speak to you like he did to Job. He had to put him through a season in order to speak to him, to give him the revelation of the resurrection. And when he caught the revelation, then the season could change. But until he caught the revelation that was encapsulated in that season, he had to stay in the season. All right, you with me so far? So we're in this season, whether we like it or not. You don't make God's plans. God makes his own plans. No man has been his counselor. The puny mind of man cannot say, and that is the Bible says, the vessel cannot say to the potter, why hast thou made me thus? We are vessels, we're made for a purpose, we're made for a reason. You can't argue with them. All we can do is pray, Lord, open my eyes of understanding to see what you're trying to tell me in the midst of what I'm going through. Amen. So he reveals it in his own way through His prophetic channel. Now, you can't, I'll just say it this way, I'll come back to the prophetic channel in a moment, but you can't unlock a season. You can't unlock revelation. And you can't unlock revival. And if you actually take the message now, are you still with me for a few more minutes? All right. If you actually take the message trying to do God a service without it being his will. Brother Branham preaches it two times in 1965, both in Jeffersonville and in Shreveport. If you want to read through those messages, it'll help you a lot. And, uh, and no, I know that's after you read Christ the Mystery God revealed five times. But then you move on. (laughs) Then you move on. Someone asked me in the parking lot the other day, have you read, are you going to read it five times, Brother Tim? I said, I've read it many more than five times. (laughs) I'm way past there, but if you've never read it more than once, read it again. All right. And if you've never read it, read it the first time and they'll do you a lot of good telling you what this hour is all about. But brother Branham trying to do God a service without it being his will, he's he's actually speaking here uh to the church not just of David trying to bring uh the the um, uh ark that's the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem without it being God's will or outside of God's provided way. But He's actually speaking to the people of there's a season, but in the season, you got to recognize what God is doing and you got to do it God's way. All right. So it's much deeper than just David made a mistake by not consulting the prophet on how to bring the ark into Jerusalem. All right. So he's he says now his intention was good. His motive was good. His objective was good to bring revival in the city. Bring the people back to God. But he never consulted the way God told him to do it. He says, even all the people agreed in the priests that the king was right. They needed the ark back in the city. They needed the presence of God. They needed the revival. But God had not promised to reveal his word in its season to the people. He never promised to reveal it to the king in the season. Well, then what did God promise? The Lord will do nothing but what he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. All right. So anytime there's a season change, there's a, there's a part of the word that becomes anointed to the season. And God reveals that to the age so that the people that are in that season can catch the revelation for their season. So he says, no matter how sincere and what good motives and what good objectives, how people want those things and see the need of it, there is a will of God to be carried out in these things. So then we'd have to say that in 2019, there is a will of God to be carried out. Amen. Amen. There is a revelation that has been given and we need to operate under the revelation that has been given for the hour that we are living in. Amen. We're not looking back to Luther's age. We're not looking back to Wesley's age. We're not even looking back, Brother Branham said, in this message. We're not even what Pentecostal had is not the revelation for this season. The season has changed. I think I have the quote here. Let me just go a little bit further. So we realize then that there's an anointing for the hour to bring us to the revelation. That's why uh, I'm just going to drop these things in and then you can go and study it. That's why in the book of Revelation chapter 5 there's four anointings around the throne, but there's only one Holy Spirit. Alright? But the Holy Spirit operates in a certain way in a certain season. In the first season, the church needed a lion anointing, which is a part of the Holy Ghost in that age to bring them to the anointed word or through the anointed word to manifest the will of God in their age. But that anointing changed as it became the dark ages and the church come under the burden of the ox to give their lives willingly. But in order to do that, they didn't need the boldness of the lion anointing. They needed the sacrificial anointing of the ox. Is that right? And so it had those same Bible, the same Holy Ghost, but it was a different anointing upon the word to bring them to a different manifestation. And that would brought to pass the will of God for that hour. But then in the Reformation time, Luther Wesley and Pentecost, there had to come another anointing to begin to bring a restoration. I will restore, saith the Lord. Alright? So a restoration would come to pass, but then in the last days, there's another anointing that come when the seals were opened. Why? Because we're in a different season. And so being in a different season, you got to catch the revelation of the season because you can't change the season. You can't say, I want to go back to Pentecost or I want to go back to where Wesley was or I want to go back to where Luther was. That was a different season. No matter how hard you work, how hard you study, how hard you, you read about all those, historical, those great men of God throughout history. And I've read their biographies and I've read some of their writings and all of those things. And they were great men of God. But you cannot replicate that season. We're in a different season. And there's an anointing that comes to this season. And it had to be a different anointing under a prophetic office because God was turning a corner. All right, I, just, I don't have time to preach on all of these little aspects of these things. So, Brother Branham was warning the church in these messages. Go read them, when you can. He said, but he was warning, he was warning them to work with the season. Catch that now. He was warning the church: don't try and and do something because what they were trying to do is reproduce a revival, but do it in a way other than what God had provided. So they hadn't consulted the word for the season on how to bring the revival back to the church. All right. And he was, and further he was declaring a lot of things, including that the Pentecost, what the Pentecostals had was over. All right. Now, so he says here, and I better read this now. He says, let us see what happened when God in his time and age and his prophets are not considered. Just depend on theology, priest denominationalism, like we do today. This is nineteen sixty five. Says now closely it all gets messed up. If the true Spirit of God there, it'll direct it into the Word. Not just one place in the Word, the entire Word for the entire age. All right. He says the day of Pentecost. The spirit directed it right into that to Joel 238. The day of Luther it directed it right into that Wesley in this last Pentecostal move. But this is another age. This is the calling out of the bride, not 2000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or the return. But now and I'm and I had to jump some there. So you'll have to read the whole quote. But now is the bride calling. Now's when the seven seals have been opened. Now when the, is now when the complete thing that the reformers left has to be opened and only Malachi 4 can do it. So we could say we're in the season of Malachi 4. All right. We're in the season of Revelation 10. We're in the season of the word that is fulfilled in our day. And then he says, he says only Malachi 4 can do that because it takes the revelation straight from God to an individual to do so. It can't come to a group. It never did. One man. All right. All right. So let me, let me try and bring this to a close here in the next 10 minutes. Now the basis of the message of the hour. We often use that word, that phrase. What is it? It is what it says it is, right, Brother Ken? It's the message of the hour. It's the message of this season. It's the the message for our day. It's not the message for another day. They never could have believed it in another day. But neither are we to receive a message for another season in this season. All right? So the basis is that of this message is that this is the end time. All right. That's the basis of our message. The basis is not just uh the word is fulfilled and the manifestation of the sons of God and, and and the change of these mortal bodies. And we heard from our theophany and all of the mysteries have been revealed. Those are all parts of the picture. But the key central theme is this season is the end time. It's the last season. So we have to act according to the season that we're in. We're in the season of the rapture. Then there must be a word for this season. There is one anointed word message. You can't get away from that. And this is the season for this message. It's not me. It's not you. It's the word that is anointed for the season. And you cannot, no matter how much people try, they can walk away, they can do whatever they want to do. And I I like to say to those that have, how's that working out for you? You can only operate in the season you're in. You can walk away from whatever truth you want to walk away from. You can't change the season. You can run and hide. You can put your head under a rock. You can run off into the wilderness. You can do all sorts of things. You can't run from a season. You you can go out tonight and say, It's summertime because I say it's summertime. I'm going to take my jacket off and we're going to go outside and praise the Lord. It's going to be warm. You can be as as, as much as you. And sometimes you see people. I see people in this weather out there in shorts and whatever more. I'm thinking, it's not summer, folks. It's still winter. Even though Vancouver's warmer than the rest of Canada, it's still winter. You can't go out and just out of the thoughts of your mind say, no, it's, it's, it is what I say it is. No, it's not what you say it is. It's winter out there, and you're not going to change it. And you need to operate according to the laws of winter. And you might say, I'm running on summer tires. How's that working out for you? I don't need winter tires. Yeah, just wait till the snow comes. Then we'll see how that's working out for you. That's the problem with half of Vancouver. They run around thinking, it's always summer in Vancouver. We don't need to go to winter tires. And then the snow hits and you can't drive a block. Because it's bumper to bumper. and Everybody's in the ditch and it's all over the place. And they're turned around and they're upside down and they're all over. Why? Because they're not recognizing the season. And operating by the revelation of the season. And so is it with the end time message. It's not a message that creates the season. It's the season that reveals the message. And because we've come to the end time season, there's a message to operate by in this season. And I'll say it again to those of you that have walked away from the truth of this hour. How's that working out for you? Tough to be you. Oh, they say, it's no problem. I don't know why I feel led to linger here. They say, oh, everything's fine. As the car is flipped over in the ditch. I got it all under control. As there's ambulances arriving on the scene. Oh, you know, even, I'll say, even within the framework of the church. There can be those that ignore the severity of the season. And think, well, you know, I'm just kind of, there is a message for this season. Yeah, I know it's winter and I'm being careful. No, don't be careful. Get in the message. Don't just, don't just walk softly. Just get into the word and let the word mold you to the season. Amen. And so you, it's not me, it's not you. It's a word that's anointed in the season that it's anointed for. And if we find our place in the word, then we become anointed to the season. All right. A little bit more out of trying to do God a service. Brother Brown says, they that have God's spirit in them, look at the promise for the day and watch and wait until they see it. That's it. God reveals it to them. He says, like Philip went and found Nathaniel. What? It was the season. It was the time of the Messiah. Philip said, we found him. Come see him. He said, and that, Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Right? And what, what were they doing? They were recognizing something in the season and Nathaniel came, heard the word that revealed his heart and was quickened by the word of his hour. No different than the woman at the well that says, you know, I've heard that a Messiah should come. I've heard this. I've heard that. You know, people have talked about it. Jesus just said, I'm he. I, sir, I, I perceive you're a prophet. And we know when the Messiah comes, he'll be a prophet. I'm the prophet. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. You, There's something in you telling you this season is different. And I'm here to tell you the message for the season is here. This is the hour of the sacrifice. This is the hour of the atonement. And she recognized that. Come see a man. But there were others that wanted to kill the message for the season. Now listen. They wanted to kill the message for the season, which was Christ, the word. How do, how, how did that work out for them? Didn't change the season. Crucify him, they cried out crucify him put him on the cross we don't want him let his blood be upon us and our children they they gave themselves over to that how did that work out for him not very good no they all ended up being trampled under roman soldiers feet as rome came and conquered jerusalem and the blood flowed in the street they couldn't change the season Jesus said there'll come a time that you'll see Jerusalem surrounded about with army. He says, if you're outside the city, don't go back in. He says, if you're in the city, flee to the hills. He says, this is the season that's going to come upon. And it came upon them just like the message said. And because they had the message, they got out of there. Brother Branham says, oh Lord, never let me come to a standstill. Continually, Lord, let me not stop at one thing. Let me just move on, Lord, till I've completed everything that you've ordained for me to do. Regardless of the price, regardless of the cost, regardless of the criticism, how hard the cross is, I remember the cross that you bore. So this consecrated cross, I'll bear. Amen. As the musicians come. I just want to refer your thoughts to the last appointed season that I said, this is the season of mortality, but there's coming a season of immortality. In Revelation chapter 21, he says, John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? It was the gathering place. It was the appointed place. For these appointed seasons, that they could come and have the feast. And John says, I saw the new Jerusalem now coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And I love this next verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll no, no longer be any, zero, any seasons of crying. Hallelujah. He says, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more times of mourning. He says, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Hallelujah. There'll be no trials of sickness anymore. It'll all be over, he says, for the former things have passed away. Those kind of seasons of mortal life will one day, very soon, be over. Hallelujah. I realize that this is at the end of the millennium, but when we move from these bodies to the other body, they'll be over. And he goes on, he says, and I saw no temple therein. Verse 22, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. He says, and the city had no need of the sun, nor of the moon. No season for the sun to shine and the moon to give its light. It's not necessary anymore. It's a continual light to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. Hallelujah. No more day and night. Then I'll say if the revelation is the book of symbols, I'll say no more law of contrasts. You see, you can't know good times except you have bad times. You can't know health unless you have sickness. You can't appreciate what's going good unless something goes bad. You can't uh, appreciate the day unless you have the night. You can't appreciate the warmth unless you have the cold. It's the law of contrast that we live in. But once we get on the other side, the law of contrast will no longer be in effect. No more day and night. No more seasons of good and seasons of bad. It'll all be one glorious season in his presence. And he said in chapter 22, he showed me a pure river of the water of light, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the lamb. And in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. No more seasons. Fruit every month. Hallelujah. No more spring and fall. Hallelujah. Amen. No more waiting for another season. I'll have fruit today. There is variety. Brother Bram says the 12 fruits will be a different kind every 12 months. Every month for 12 months. You'll have variety, but you'll always have fruit. The tree of life will always bring forth her fruit. And we'll be partaking of it every day. And the leaves of the tree were for the healings of the nation. No more seasons. We're going to a land where we'll never grow old. Amen. Thank God I am free from this world of sin. Let's stand together. For a long time I traveled Down a long lonely road My heart. You know, one of the favorite stories that I love to hear brother Branham tell is when he was at a zoo with his daughter uh, or maybe his son. I can't remember which one, but he was at a zoo and they were watching an eagle in a cage and the eagle in the cage. An eagle is meant to fly, meant to soar in the heavenlies, but the eagle was in a cage. And it would fly as hard as it could and try and break through the cage and it would hit the edge of the cage and fall down. And it would gather enough strength to do it again. And the eagle was all bloodied and, and it, was, it was unable to set itself free. But there was Brother Brown who said, oh, if I had the money, says, I would buy that eagle and I would take it out of the cage and I would loose it. Now, what was he reflecting there? He was reflecting the God that we serve because the eagle could only see so far. But here was a higher intelligence that could say, if I had the purchase price, I would loose the eagle from its captivity. Amen. And the lamb in the last days, after he, after he'd been making intercession through seven church ages, says, It's time to set the eagles free. Amen. And He brought the purchase price of redemption and took the book out of the hand of Him that sat on the throne that you and I could go free. Because we're always meant to be eagles. We're in the cage of man's theology and and the cage of man's thinking and dogma which has bound the Holy Spirit through seven church ages. But now the seals have been loosed. And the bride is able to fly free under an eagle anointing. Oh, what a wonderful hour to be living in. Thank God I am free, free, free. our heads together heavenly father what an hour to live in oh god it's a perilous time but it's a glorious time perilous for the unbeliever but glorious for those that have walked in the light that you have shone upon their pathway oh god lord we thank you for your love that you've you shed abroad in our hearts and you've come down by our way and you've loosed us, O God. You've revealed your word to us. You've given us faith. You've allowed us to see the season that we're living in. We pray that you'll continually open your word, Lord. Continue to anoint the word to our understanding that we might know how to operate in the season that we're living in. We can't change the season. You have brought this season upon the earth. But Lord, you have also brought the message by which your elect can operate in the midst of this season. Lord, lift us up into heavenly places. Cause us to rise above the things of the world. If there's anybody here that's in the midst of captivity, maybe they're in a season in their life, Lord, that they're in a trial. May they just lift their eyes to you and say, Lord, show me and speak to me. Let me hear what you're trying to say in this season of my life. If they're captive, may they be loosed. Lord, if they're sick, may they be healed. Lord, if whatever it might be that the devil tries to afflict your people with, Lord, May you pour in abundant grace to meet the need in this hour. Lord, we love you and we commit ourselves to you. Pray, Father, you just take this word tonight and you'll anoint it to the hearts of every hearer. Lord, I pray that you'll establish your word. I pray that you'll make it resonate, Lord. I can say certain things in the English language, but there's a revelation that goes beyond the English language, Lord, that is able to quicken the hearer, Father, and lift them up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We give this service to you. We ask your blessing upon it, and blessing upon each one that is heard and will hear in the days ahead. We commit this to you in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Friday night service. Young people's Young people service Friday night at 730. Amen. You, I know you'll enjoy that. Do you love the Lord? Remember Brother Abel's family. This week if you would. I'm sure that the Lord will provide for them. As much as he provided for each and every one of us. God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.